Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community and communities create social change. I'm David Peck and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Trevor Cameron, and uh, as you'll see, I wanted to call him Gabriel Dumont several times throughout the interview. In fact, at one point, I do actually call him that. And we are talking about a new film coming out very soon uh, at Imaginative, the film festival. Check that out online. The film festival happens the 20th to the 25th of October 2020, and uh, Shadow of Dumont, I think, is playing on the 21st. There's going to be a live Q&A, and, and if you haven't guessed it yet, it's about Gabriel Dumont and and and. Trevor is uh, related. His grandfather's father, I believe. Did I get that right, Trevor? I hope I did. But but it's about Gabriel Dumont. It's a, it's a road film. It's fun. It's funny. It's enter- entertaining. There's there's so much to learn. I mean, it's so funny that, that Trevor says in the interview that's going to follow just in a minute or two, you know, he didn't really think it was going to be educational, but it really is. And it really made me go back to a time many, many years ago when I would think I was in middle school in, in, in Toronto and, and wondering when did I learn about that uh, rebellion and Gabriel Dumont and, and, and all the others that were connected to it. This is a film, um, a conversation. It's, it's about land rights. It's, it's about ex-Buffalo hunters. It's, it's about Gabriel being a political leader and about standing up, you know, for your, for your rights. And it's about legacy. It's about mothers. We talk about mothers a great deal and, and how, how connected uh, they are to our well it seems silly to say it but connected to our to our roots but but about how history res- resides in our mothers this is about radical hope uh, we we get into this this idea of living history and 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 what really matters and we talk about uh, um so so many things and and you're going to well you're going to you're going to hear how much fun Trevor had making this film and and how much fun I had watching it so um check it out it's uh, like i said it's coming up uh, soon imaginative the film festival and you will get to see it there uh don't don't uh, don't touch that dial and if you want to uh, learn a little bit more about what i'm doing face to face live.ca davidpecklive.com you can find out more information there you can advertise with us uh, banners um, in the newsletter we've got a uh, quite quite a quite a good following now and uh, we we we're, we're 
the message is getting out there. So please help us to continue to do that. And please leave a, a review. If you like what we're doing here, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, a review on iTunes or Spotify, a, a thumbs up on YouTube if you're listening to the interview there would be a huge help. It really does go a long way. And like I said, you can advertise with us on the site and the, in the podcast and, and, and even in the newsletters as well. And um, I guess that's that's about it for for um, um, you know an introduction. I uh, that you're, you're you're going to enjoy uh, the conversation. I I uh, I have current. Um, I'm coming up with 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 Trevor, and we even get into check this out. Capital, uh, how capital and representation are, are are essential, and how connected they really are, and how you need to work at at keep a keeping a democracy, and why the issues that we're facing. Uh, p- uh, people, folks like uh, Gabriel Dumont are still some of the same issues that we're facing today. So coming right up, uh, Trevor Cameron talking about his new film, Shadow of Dumont. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here with us today. Uh, someone, I think, can I say this, masquerading as Gabriel Dumont. Uh, we have Trevor Cameron here with us to talk about his new film, Shadow of Dumont. And uh, we are live. We're, f- we're sort of face to face. Trevor, thanks for your time today. Yeah, virtual face to virtual face, huh? It's it's a it's a peculiar thing, and some of the calls that I'm doing these days, I'm doing on Zoom, and so you actually do get a face, uh, but oh, it's still yeah. kind of weird, right? You know, yeah, it's still having to wear weird. a shirt. Oh. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> having to be fully clothed, maybe showered, and you probably have to brush your hair. In your case, you'd have to brush your hair. That's in yeah, my case, yeah. not so much. Not so much in my case. Well, listen, man. Thanks for thanks for taking the time today to talk about your new film, and it's 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 premiering at Imaginative, which is uh, coming up in in a couple of days, October twenty to twenty five, and I believe the the film is downloadable there during the festival. Maybe maybe you can talk a little bit about that as well, and we'll certainly call back to that later in the interview. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we are actually on the twenty first. October twenty first is the um, opening for Shadow of Dumont. And when you order it to stream, uh, you don't have to watch it right away. You have 48 hours. So you can kind of wait till after work or whatever it is. And you can watch it within 48 hours. We're also doing a live Q&A at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Well, I'm I'm going to do my best to get the word on the street about this. I I need to tell you before we step in, and and I want to I think that the I want to hear about you being a storyteller, and I think you said in the film clown. I need to yeah. I need to hear more about that. But <laughs> and it sounds like you've got a a world a, a ton of experience in comedy, and it certainly comes out in the film as well. Just the way you piece it together, and the music, and and all of the above. So, and by the way, congratulations! I I, I love the road trip. It was oh it was, thanks. I mean, I I learned a ton. And, and, uh, it's just, there's just so much more going on than meets the eye, isn't there? I mean, everywhere you look and every person you meet. Yeah. That was kind of the, the point was to, to take the history and, uh, and make it our own, you know, instead of having to call the university and, and talk to the professor, I thought, you know, um, all of this research, and it's all available online now. And so I did a lot of that. And the idea of the documentary was um, being able to go to these places instead of yes. just reading yes. about them, actually traveling so you could see what remains of of the time and what is the, the, the lasting legacy. And Is it even fair to call it these days the Upper Canada Rebellion? Is, is that is that? Oh, no. I mean, you know, it's um, 
you know, there's there's a few schools of thought, you know, around yeah, sure. uprising, rebellion, war. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, it was a group of ex-Buffalo hunters who really wanted to have representation, representational government, you know, and... Um, well, I love the fact, and we're already into it here, and right. but, but which is wonderful, by the way. But I love that uh, Gabriel Dumont is is referred to as a politician. You know, some yeah. places that you, <laughs> well, I mean, a politician you know, he, he with was, a really big beard and a rifle. Yeah. You know, and you know he was he was elected president back in you know yeah. of his community back it's amazing. before it's, the uprising. So, so Trevor, before we dive in, I just, I want to say as a kid, and I was asking my kids, my kids are 15 and, and, and 13 and grade, what, grade eight and grade 10. And I was saying, Hey, oh, yeah. are you guys, are you guys talking about real what's happening? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm talking to this guy later today about Gabriel Dumont. And so I remember, the, and I'm not sure where, where Gabriel and Louis Riel and so on fits in the curriculum currently in Ontario or Canada, I would imagine, right. you know, they're, they're different in some cases. When, when, when it happened for me, it was around grade six, which is quite a while ago for me, quite a few years ago. Um, but, but the impact, seriously, the impact. And I remember, um, I remember writing a paper on it as a kid, if I can call it a paper. I wasn't much right. of an academic back then. But the, the story of Louis Riel and Gabriel Dumont really had an impact on me. These guys pushing back. There was this sense of, even as a kid, I remember this sense of injustice. And I hope that's because of the way the teacher portrayed it. But maybe it was just some of the images that I saw and some of the stories that you reminded me of today so so beautifully or when I watched the film and and I was imagining through our conversation. But but yeah, there there was something that just was so not right about this. And that's why I asked you about the Upper Canada Rebellion, because rebellion sort of presupposes they were doing something wrong. You know what I mean? And and I'm yeah, anyway. I just well, it wanted also to presupposes yeah. a lot of what Canada is or right. was at of the course, time. Of right? course. Um, it's funny that you you talk about where they fit in the curriculum, because that was always my argument around it. Usually it's you know, three days worth of this uprising and then they hurry off to do the last spike. You know what I mean? Like right. know, it's the completion of the railway and then sure, sure. with the rest of Canada. Right, so, right. Just a little footnote. Yeah, exactly. When, when in actual fact, this there, there again, so much more than, uh, going on the meets. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're we've got so much to talk about. It's crazy. I love these interviews where I know going in, we're never going to have enough time. Um, you're a storyteller. You're a clown. You you, you dress up uh, as the part, which I so love. Uh, I got to say, one of my one of my favorite lines in the film is, uh, "I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of want the rifle now." I mean, yeah. that's one of my favorite. I still moments. do. I bet you do. Yeah. I was talking um, to my brother. He owns two. Oh, very fair? cool. That's that's not fair at all. <laughs> it's not fair at talk, all. Talk about injustice. Yeah. Tell us tell us about your background. Tell us about why the heck you decided to go on this road trip and who sure. your great hang on, great, great, great uncle was? Yeah. That's the one. Um yeah. I usually put it into perspective because you know, when you put three greats in front of something, it sounds really <laughs> old. And <laughs> You know, like I always consider it as my grandfather's grandfather. Okay, got it. You know what I mean? My grandfather's yep. grandfather yep. was Isidore Dumont. And that was Gabriel Dumont's brother. And he was the first one shot and killed in Duck Lake. Um, so uh, I use that as my way to to get into the story, to kind of give myself uh, uh, an idea of where I fit. So it's not that far away. When you say great, 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 
grandfather or great 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 uncle you you know the 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 mind doesn't get how far away it is but when you say grandfather's grandfather you're like okay i get that it's that's that's not so far away yeah yeah that's living memory you know so you 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 say out of the gate in the film you're a Métis, you're a father, you own a three-legged cat, you yes, you were a storyteller true. and a clown, and you you used to do comedy for crying out loud. Tell us a bit mm-hmm. about you, uh, and sure. and yeah, I'd love to hear more, and I think my uh, my my listeners would too. Um, well, I mean, I don't want to go too far back in time, but uh, there was a time where I was absolutely convinced that I was going to become a great improviser and I'm a pretty good improviser, but, um, that's not necessarily a career path. I realized quite quickly. Is, is, uh, is it not what real men do? Is that yeah. what you're trying to say? Well, I mean, you know, it's just, it's harder to, to put bacon in the fridge if you, uh, become a full-time improviser. Um, so I, I started trying to be, um, as open as I could be to any challenge. You know what I mean? So, you know, using my, my improviser background, I transitioned into stand up, and all the while I was writing, you know, I was screenwriting, uh, you know, not really selling anything, but constantly staying active. Sure. And, uh, I, I got a break in, uh, going to Saskatchewan to work on a kid's show. And then I suddenly started writing. And I was still improvising and doing stand-up comedy, but the writing became something that was feeding me more. Mm. And uh, it soon overtook it. So, I mean, I didn't, you know, drop it or, or, you know, throw away this idea of comedy and improv. I just put it away and, you know, started writing. And the more I wrote and started, started getting into directing, um, the more I realized that the the things I learned as an improviser um, really helped serve story and tell uh, absolutely tell make story. you a better. Well, I, I would imagine you'll look back, and if you don't already, it's it's going to make you a better storyteller or a more interesting storyteller, maybe a funnier yeah. storyteller, right? All these, and, all you know, these like things. That you... was you know the the idea in the documentary was um, to constantly stay open to adventure. You know, like. You know, we, we went on this trip and we had really vague ideas on where we were going and who we were going to speak to. But, you know, there was a lot of times where we had no idea who we were going to talk to. We had no idea if we were going to get into a, you know, right. this museum or funny, you know, when we went to uh, big Sandy, um, I had no plan. Uh, and this was big Sandy, uh, Montana. Um, you know, I, I had done zero research. I just knew that there was a funny news story. So I wanted to do something there. And it was just by luck, the, uh, uh, the historical society was open and let us interview. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I've interviewed a lot of documentarians over the years and so many of them say things like, well, the film writes itself. And it's not like you sit down and you write a screenplay, you have ideas, you have approaches, you have places and uh, you want to go and people you want to meet and so on. And things, you know, you discover things along the way. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, in some ways, I, I would imagine, it would, you know, for most would say it may, may, makes it a better film, right? Well, I mean, I, I hope so. I, I mean, I tried to write it. 
<laughs> I tried. I was, you know, doing all of this mental gymnastics, trying to imagine what would happen when you get there and start improvising. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, it was it was an important step to kind of at least, you know, uh, uh, give yourself an idea of what you were going to do. You knew it wasn't what you were going to do, but at least going in with uh, the wrong plan at least gives you something, you know, versus just literally going in with nothing. You know, I, I don't know if you heard me, but I actually called you Gabriel earlier in the oh. engineer. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, sorry and about that. It, yeah. It's fantastic. I think it's amazing that, 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 I don't know. It made me sort of want to step into the the road trip with you. And I love the old van, by the way. It's hysterical. Oh, it's, yeah, it's amazing. And, and what a beautiful piece on the side. It's just, it's perfect, right? It's just perfect for you and your character and, and oh. all of that. And um, But the fact that I called you that, and while I think I told you before we started recording, as I was thinking about this interview today, I kept referring to you in my mind as Gabriel. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean that's you pulled uh, it off, Trevor. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, you know what I mean. It's amazing. It's so as, cool. As I was saying, I was really trying to um, get into people's subconscious. Yes, you know, uh, my producers thought that I wanted to do wanted to get the costume or, or get the outfit because I was going to do reenactments, and it was like, no, no, no. This is just just because I think it would be funny and it would be it would put people at ease to be willing to talk about Gabriel Dumont to someone who looks vaguely like Gabriel Dumont to me, it made me laugh. So I was like, well, yeah, that's actually, that's my audience right now while I'm shooting this documentary was kind of, well, if it makes me laugh, I'm going to do it. Right. 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 That's the, the clearly the comic and the improviser yeah. coming out in you. He, yeah, Gilbert Baldhead said he was a protector of the Métis people. And I loved how, how mm. there was this little pause. And then he says, you need that. Yeah. I just thought that was really beautiful. Can can you talk about him? I mean, you, and and maybe in comparison or alongside of Riel, or did you consciously leave Riel out of this film? Really, I, we don't oh, hear I, much. Yeah, about... I, I consciously did. It was okay. not. Um, it was not by accident. It was. Um, I wanted to tell the story of Gabriel Dumont as I saw him, mm. or as I saw his legacy and sure. yep. as it grew, as the, the documentary grew, it became less about just my legacy and it became kind of what everyone else thinks as well. But every, um, side, you know, I just kept calling them side missions. You know, people right. ask me, well, don't you want to take a look at this? This says, you know, like it's all about, uh, real or it's all about, um, you know, the, the, uh, you know, big bear or, you know what I mean? And it was all of these other missions that if I was doing a documentary about 1885 would be great. Right. Right. But the entire point of the documentary was to say that those two and a half months are, are not his story. He has right. a whole rich background before the uprising and after, this rich yeah. time afterwards. And um, everyone knows, you know, in grade eight or grade nine, they get the two day kind of quick and dirty of what the uprising is in Canadians eyes. I wanted to step past that and say, well, I really want to talk about the man. 
Well, you you know what's really cool to me, uh, Trevor, is you start. I think you start and kind of end, or at least close to the end, with the big family photo, mm-hmm. and you talk about reclaiming your identity. I mean, this is a road trip for us as viewers, but it really. I mean, you're with a guy right driving the van and the holding the camera, et cetera, right. et cetera, at times, but it really became a road trip for you more so in some respects than just that from a filmmaker's perspective. Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, we were on the road in the great plains for probably about 30 days. Okay. And you know, we racked up over 10,000 kilometers on the van. It's a lot. Um, and you know, even though you have a cameraman, you have a sound man, you have producers, you have like a, a tail van that follows as well um it's still this road trip and um yeah i did go through a lot of points where you know you you start getting uh more insular and you know you you kind of forget that there's a crew right well there's isn't there that moment where you you at the uh, is it at the dumont park or maybe at the statue where you say i'm gonna have to just take a few minutes here and and you spread some tobacco yeah yeah that was just uh, that that moment of memory yeah just uh, at batosh maybe it was you said no no i i I dropped the yeah i did do that at batosh but i also dropped some tobacco in uh uh at the church where his Mm. in-laws are buried uh where madeline's parents are buried um yeah i mean you know uh, i am a clown but at the same time um you know you have to allow yourself to be affected by things it's so it's so easy to forget that you're allowed to have feelings if a camera's rolling mm. you know and that that are sincere you know and um you know that's something that it's so easy to forget about. You get inside your own head and you start worrying about the schedule or of course, yeah. You know, the the next question you're going to be having to pose to someone. Um you know, it was nice to be able to just go, you know what? I'm just going to take a little bit of time. Trevor, it would be very interesting to see what the film would have been like if if you had not been the Métis filmmaker but uh, filming himself essentially, but a filmmaker doing a film about Gabriel Dumont. You know well, what I mean? mean? Like, wow, the differences, right? Yeah. And this was something that, um, that's where this research actually came from, right? Um, I had originally envisioned when I was working on my last show, um, the power went out. I was, I was doing a show in India of all places hmm. and, uh, the power went out and it was, you know, 36 degrees out. It was oh, just I it bet. Was stifling and it was, we were doing some animation and uh so when the power goes out there's just you you have nothing to do um and as the power was out i realized that what i really really wanted to do was tell gabriel dumont's story as epically as i could and uh i ended up pitching the um producers that day you know saying look this this is what i want to do i want to do the Métis Braveheart. I want to mm. do this mini series. I want to do, and how I originally imagined it was an animation because I wanted right. to be able to include these languages and these looks that I knew would be so hard to find real actors for. Right. Um, and so that was actually uh, when I got back to North America, 
I just started doing, I got more serious with my, with, with my uh, research. And that was what started this documentary was the research to do this epic film, which I'm still going to do, of course, when I finally figure it out. But it was nice having all of this research and then, you know, being asked, well, you know, maybe we can look at it as a documentary. Mm. And I was able to go, yeah, yeah, totally. That would be fun. I can absolutely do that. Well, I wish you well with that. That sounds amazing. The Métis Braveheart. I, somebody in the film says, and I think it's less, I think the historian says that it's the last major human rights issue in Canada. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. Can, can you talk uh, a little bit about that? Give us a bit more of that history, that injustice, and, sure, and that, connect that it to was, the uh, protector Vrooman. of the people. That was Vrooman, who uh, was a educator and uh, professor in uh, Montana, in Helena. And unfortunately, or, or, you know, fortunately, depending on how you think about it, he actually had passed away uh, about four or five weeks after we interviewed him. Mm. We drove down, we showed him the van and, um, I didn't know him from, from Adam. I had no idea who he, he was. I'd never spoken to him on the phone. I'd only known him as somebody who did a lot of research on, uh, the, the landless Indians of Montana and, um, yeah, he, oh no, uh, there's two of them. There's uh, Vrooman and um, yeah, I think that was who was saying it. Because there was also another uh, elder in Manitoba as well that I was speaking with. Right. Um, yeah, you certainly meet a lot of people along yeah. the way. <laughs> and I was getting sure. so worried because, uh, you know, there was, we, we're losing these pockets of historians, right? Right. And uh, and yeah, there's there was a few of them passing. But this idea of this being Canada's last uh, big, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I can't remember what, what did he call it? He called it. The, he called it a, he called it a human rights issue. Essentially right. for yeah, Canada. Last, and, last major human rights issue for Canada. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, to, to many, that is the perspective. I mean, I, I would say that there's still, a lot of large human rights issues in Canada that mm. still need to be kind of figured out. Sure. But um, I would say it's the latest settled one. Um, right. You know, it's uh, the, this idea of, um, you know, land grabs and uh, not, uh, not treaty, but um, you know, the, the idea of, how people get swindled out of their land is something that's not discussed in Canada enough mm. and, and not acknowledged at all. And, um, you know, this idea of everyone receiving script allowance, which was, uh, you know, the, the, how they got much of the land for, from the Métis, um, once you delve into that, it becomes really problematic and uh, and difficult, and really easy for mainstream Canadians to to turn the page on. Right you know, to go, okay, this is this is too big and well, 
I, I feel like sometimes, Trevor, that's that's exactly what people say, you know, in, in, in so many different ways. You know, it's by implication. It might actually come out and say it. Well, hang on a minute. This was in the past. And, okay, yes, we, yes, we made a mess of it. Mm-hmm. They might even be willing to go there. But now how do we move on from here? But I feel like, well, hang on. I think that we need to understand things a little better. I think we need to listen a little more. Sure, we absolutely have to talk about things like reconciliation and recognition and memory and so on. But but maybe just maybe we need more than that two day uh, pray see that we got well, in grade eight. You know, I I think that you know that's a, a really good example. <clears throat> Pardon me. That's a really good example of how the conversation gets stopped. Where mm. where you know a, a, a Canadian goes, okay, okay, you're right, we did it. That's the same way of just saying shut up. You know what? Yeah, I've never I've actually never heard somebody say it that way before. But I think I think you're right. Or or I'm too embarrassed to really talk yeah, about it. Yeah. Or I I'll don't just know what to it. say. Yeah, you know, it's all true. Can we can we move past it? And it's like, well, we can't move past it until you actually truly understand it. And um, well, and that's what's so beautiful about you know, shadow of Dumont, because it, 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 it helps us to understand it in a completely different context than I've certainly ever seen. And in a, and in a fun way too, which is kind of disarming, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, that was, um, you know, by design was Mm. I really wanted to trick people into thinking about our history and, and owning it. Um, Mm. there was something I, a discussion I had with uh, one of the historians that I met on my travels. Um, he he kept talking about um, how the land was empty. This is an American historian. And he was saying, well, the land is empty or was empty before this fort was built. And then the fort was built. And then uh, the land became full. And, the, you know, there was so many parts of my brain that were just wanting to 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 do a gotcha on him you know to say well no you know this was the blackfeet reserve before the the fort was built and right. the fort was built by the metis tradespeople who came in and built it and you know so how is something empty when it's a reserve and there was people there to help you build it but instead of of fighting and getting this gotcha because i find that when you go through a conversation and look to just score points on someone it it just becomes you know why why bother interviewing well it becomes pointless yeah it it really does right so instead um once once i realized like okay well he's not acknowledging the the aboriginal presence at the time um what what I did was I just started talking to him about Gabriel Dumont's pool table. Interesting. And uh, started talking about what Gabriel Dumont had in Batash, you know, talking about his businesses, Mm. his pool table, his, you know, his nights of, you know, having beers and, and gambling and playing pool all night before he turned his back on, all of that for this uprising. And the reason why I was telling him that was not because I wanted him to uh, think about the pool table. Instead, I wanted him to recognize 
that the Métis are people. Well, it, it's such a beautiful way to do it. I mean, and, and kudos to you. And that's the, clearly the, the comic, the storyteller, yeah. the real human being in you coming out and saying, okay, instead of putting up my dukes here, right. I'm, I'm going to tell a real human story, try to create some sort of empathetic connection with this guy and, and, and change the narrative, yeah. right? And, yeah. I, and I just, I hoped that the pool table would be the way to come in. To say, hey, mm, you've played pool nice. in your life. You know? It's good. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, and also it was about trying to keep these relationships. You know, it's interesting. You know, it just, I went back to my classroom and I, I'm, I'm going to do some digging and try to find out what, what grade I was in when I, when I learned about this. See, just maybe my mom kept that copy of that paper that I wrote. Who knows? I highly doubt it. She's 86, but I highly doubt it. But, but I wonder, was it presented to me as a kid in my whatever, uh, eight, nine, right. 10, 11 years old? This is 40 some years ago. Was Riel, was, forget it. Sorry, didn't want to bring him up. Was Dumont? demonized you know right. th through the way that it was told and may maybe that's what really stuck with me or was it the fact that he was so humanized by my i'm thinking it was a mr wheeler and if it was right. he would have humanized the, the the metis for sure and and was it that that i connected with you know what i mean wouldn't and right. wouldn't it be i'm getting goosebumps wouldn't it be wonderful to know you know, uh, and anyway, anyway, just a little aside, but I, I think it's a really beautiful thing what you did there, but, and there's a lesson there for all of us. Right. Instead of, like you said, instead of scoring points, how about tell a story? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if they get it or not is almost irrelevant. They might get it later. Yeah, exactly. It's all about approaching people, uh, through their subconscious. Yeah, I've had the pleasure of interviewing Michelle Latimer about her new film, Inconvenient Indian, and oh, yeah. I've read I've read Thomas King and, and Richard Wagamese and so on, and it's all about story, right? Right. And I think Wagamese says um, stories are meant to heal, and and it may not happen in the moment, but you planted the seed. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely. It's so lovely. You know, your mom it, probably does have that, by the way. Cause, I oh, mean, boy, I my, hope she does. My, my mom uh, had passed away two years ago. Okay. Uh, just, you know, the, the year before I started doing this, uh, this documentary. And uh, my, mom, my sister was going through her things. And that, that's where she found my old book report. Oh, oh maybe my, that's what it was. My mom maybe had put I did. it away. Maybe I did a book report. Oh, that's wonderful. That's very sweet. Hey, listen, we're sadly, we're sort of coming to, near to the end of this interview. And I, I, I honestly, Trevor, I think I almost called you Gabriel again. I think uh, we could chat all day on this. We really could. But t tell me a little bit about this legacy, you know, worth fighting for. And 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 you you kind of wrap up the film by talking about reclaiming your sense of identity. And, and, and I think Radical Hope, which is just, again, yeah. isn't that what all of this is about? Oh, yeah. That, that was my big light bulb moment in uh speaking with nick vrooman and uh he got it right away you know when he said you're traveling with radical hope it was like well yeah i didn't realize it when i started but yeah it was all about i i hope this works because i have no backup plan you know this is you you'll either get it or or i'll end up having to you know put a lot of black and white photos and Right, good voice right. actor. Right, a whole lot more animation in the yeah, film. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, like when we talk about legacies, I think that was the other big 
um, come away that, that, that I had was realizing just how much of Gabriel Dumont's life was in the States, was in mm. the Dakota territories. We haven't even talked about Buffalo Bill yet. And yeah, I mean, you know, it was another, a whole other life for, for Gabriel Dumont, right? He basically, he basically joined a circus, right? Yeah, he, he was, uh, he was offered a position in the Wild West show. And I mean, he was, uh, there's a lot of talk about what he did because when you look at these old films that were made, they always had him, you know, shooting his rifle and blowing up glass bulbs and riding his horse. Um, he could do all of those things, but he was hired at the Wild West show to be living history. He mm. was hired not because of his amazing horse riding or his ability to shoot. Or his because, wonderful beard. Yeah, it was not his beard. It was, it, he was part of history. And, you know, you're looking at a, a time before radio, before television, you know, barely print. And this is how people would get their history. And, um, you know, so much of his life in the States is, is not thought of. It's not that it's unknown, right? but it's just, it's really easy to, to fence him into Saskatchewan in Saskatchewan history. It's so funny when you mention when you, and, and I think this is what's so beautiful and wonderful about your film and it is it's, it's going to peel back some layers for people. People are going to dig, they are going to read more books and go deeper and find out exactly you know or at least according to some historians uh, what 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 happened and i think that's a mm. that's a beautiful and a wonderful thing but i was just thinking about you know when you said there was no social media and 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 this is how people got their 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 history in a sense i wonder i wonder what the hashtags would have been like yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what would the what would they have been taking photos of for for instagram you well know? i wish i could remember that site there's there's uh a gabriel dumont twitter Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Why doesn't that surprise me? And and what was great was the, the, whoever was doing the Twitter was releasing um, stuff on the anniversary of the uprising. You know what I mean? So during the first day, he would have a tweet about the first day of Batash and they were all kind of memes and, and, and stuff like that. And yeah, it was, it was great seeing that people are, owning owning our history right. instead of you know being afraid of it did you reclaim your identity um yeah was it ever, i, I yeah. mean i i you know reclaim does uh you know it's not exactly true i mean i think with, when my mother had passed away that was as for so many people right uh that their, their history resides in their mother. Mm. And I found that whenever I was having uh, uh, crises of who I was, the answer was always talk to your mom. She'll know your history. She'll know the family history and um, you know, they can kind of steady you. And when she passed, I realized just how insulated I was mm. from the Métis communities in Toronto because I had never went to seek them out because right. I had my mom on the line. Right. So, you know, this definitely did help with, you know, for lack of better words, reclaiming. 
my culture is more about kind of like, uh, you know, introducing myself to the culture. Reintroducing. Well, reintroduce. Yeah, no. And I think you do it in a fun and a beautiful way. And, and what a wonderful thought too, how history resides in our mothers. And, and, and also too, just as on a note, as, you know, we ending our conversation, how uh, I forget who said it, but, but in the film, but uh, you know, his issues are still the issues, you know, that, mm-hmm. that we're dealing with today. And, yeah. and I think that's a remarkable thing. Some a hundred and what is it? 120, 20 yeah, years later. You know, we had a like really that. long conversation. Um, that was, uh, that was Nick Vrooman again. Um, and we started talking about the current American political climate Mm. and, um, how he framed it was, you know, in Gabriel Dumont's time, they had, you know, a, a freedom and they had the ability to, to make money. They had, you know, able they were able to make capital but they didn't have any representation and they had no no way of uh you know being able to represent themselves they had no vote and um that was clearly freedom and capitalism but not democracy Mm. and this idea that they're not the same thing you yeah. know, and he was talking about in today's time how people think that they're they're inextricably linked, but we've already shown, you know, a hundred and fifty years ago that they aren't. You know, like you really have to work at keeping a democracy, um, and you might think your, you know, your your freedom and your being able to trade things for money or, you know, uh, buy stuff makes you free, but it's not, it's not the same thing. And, you know, it was a really interesting conversation that Mm -hmm. he brought up. It's a fascinating way to end about connecting it to issues today, but also to mm-hmm. issues for First Nations, Métis, and Inuit folk too, in 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 Canada, but in North America, I guess, and right. and for I mean, it's also what I love about any any uh, great documentary. It's so layered. There's there's so much more going on than meets the eye. Um, Trevor, and again, almost called you Gabriel. Thank you um, for for your time today. What 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 a pleasure. Um, tell us tell us just before we wrap. Uh, so it's playing Shadow of the Mound is playing at uh, Imaginative coming up on October twenty first. Uh, you'll right. be able to download it there for well, not download it, but stream it for about five days, right? No, for forty eight hours. For, oh, sorry, for forty eight hours. Yeah. So, but but it's on during the festival, correct? Yeah, it's on the twenty yeah, first. Got it. Beautiful. Mm-hmm get that day pass or just get that movie pass. And there's also the Q and a and the Q and a as well, 3 PM Eastern standard time. Nice. Is there, is there a, a website you can send us to or, or not yet? Um, well, the easiest would just be to go to uh Beautiful. And also imaginative search that folks, as it sounds imaginative and you'll get to the website yeah, for, dot for the org dot org for the for the festival trevor what a what a pleasure chatting with you today thanks for the the film the insights the thoughts and 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 the fun and maybe next time we can talk about the gavel and gun <laughs> yeah absolutely even on a budget quality is non-negotiable 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.